You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Postgame Review Podcast. I'm Tim Fitzgerald. On the line with me is former Kansas State offensive lineman Brian Hanley. And we're sponsored by Caddy Shack Golf as we go through Kansas State's first loss of the season, break down what happened to the Wildcats in their 31 to 20 setback down in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. Caddy Shack Golf, where Caddy with two T's. Visit CaddyShackGolf.com for all of your officially licensed golfing willy apparel, accessories, and more. Use code GPC for free shipping on your next order. And as we dive into this podcast, let's hear. Chris Kleiman's initial comments after the loss on Saturday down in Stillwater. Uh, credit Oklahoma State. Uh, they beat us today. And um, uh, we didn't play our best uh, game today. And um, uh, they uh, beat us at the line of scrimmage. And we fought in the second half and did some did some better things finally on defense in the second half to slow them down. But uh, we just couldn't, uh, couldn't penetrate them and, and couldn't get enough things going offensively. I told our guys at the... Uh, uh, in the locker room at the end of the day, I, I really firmly believe we have a good football team, and uh, we didn't play well enough today, and we didn't coach well enough today. We've got to come up with better schemes and better plans on both sides of the ball, um, but we've got to execute as well. And uh, today, uh, they got us, and, and uh, we got to go back to work. And it's a long season with uh, an awful lot of opportunities in front of us. And, and if we learn from this and, and continue to uh, improve, we've got a chance to be okay. Um, but uh, adversity has struck us for the first time this year, and uh, uh, that's reality. And how do you how do you respond when adversity strikes? And so uh, I'm confident that uh, the leadership on, on our guys, with our guys, will uh, uh, respond to the adversity, and we can't. Sulk on it. we got to get ready to play OU next week. Well, Brian Hanley, let's dive right in. We've seen this Kansas State defense play exceptionally well throughout the year, and they were completely broken in the first half. That looked like a completely different defensive unit than what we've seen. Was it something Oklahoma State was doing, or in my opinion, it was mostly they just didn't seem as engaged as they have been in the first three games? It didn't seem to flow to the ball the same way. I just found it very frustrating how they came out with no fire, no gumption. I I was very frustrated by it. Yeah, it looked like that the speed of the game was a little bit more than what they anticipated. You know, they we played some opponents, you know, the first three games of the season, and it looked like, you know, the speed of the game right off the bat, it was just like they didn't expect Oklahoma State to be as good. And it's just what you said. They didn't come out with the fire and the the passion that you see every week. And it was it was disheartening. I mean, literally right from the get-go. I'm like, what's going on here? So I, I didn't get that. The defense just didn't look like – and it was kind of the whole team. Didn't look like they, they came out ready to play. You know, it just didn't look like they came out ready to play. That's the best I can put it. They didn't, and it was uh... – Unfortunate to see them 
get the ball to start the game, move down the field, look like they're locked in on what they need to do, and then they get down into Oklahoma State territory and it just fell apart. They end up settling for a field goal. That was the tone setter number one for me. Anytime you've got a team that takes their script and their offensive play calling they've laid out in advance and goes right down the field but doesn't score the touchdown, that's a victory for the other team. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, they you, you just worked them all the way down the field until it counted the most, and then you – they just fell apart, and luckily for Kansas State, Dayton Winkle came in and drilled that 32-yard field goal. But, man, it didn't take Oklahoma State long. It was seven plays, 75 yards for a touchdown. Malik Knowles answers with his own run back. Uh, and then, before you know it, another 7-73 drive. They go down the field and score, and then the fumble. You know, K-State takes the next kickoff. Malik Knowles wants to hit another home run, ends up tackled at the seven. Next play, bad snap, bad job covering it. Noah Johnson didn't get Will Howard the ball. Will Howard didn't get on the ball, and Oklahoma State ends up with a free touchdown. At that point, it's 28 or 21 to 10, and really, Brian, it was over. It was it, yeah. That just broke K-State's back, and they weren't out of the first damn quarter, and they no. seemed broken at that point. Yeah, it was just disheartening. It just, it, it, like I said earlier, it didn't look like the K State was ready to play, and it looked like the speed of the game was just too much for us at the beginning. Which for me, it equates. I mean, they're all Division One athletes. It for me, it equates to not being ready, not being prepared for what you are going to see, and that's that's d- disheartening all the way around. You know, you can't fumble. I mean, the ball security, ball security. You cannot fumble inside your five yard line like that because basically all you're trying to do is get room and try to. If you have to punt, just get some room to punt. Let's just get some yards, and if we have to punt, fine, but we're going to get some yards. And to not have the the simple ball security down there, I mean, it's like you said, it was, wasn't out of the first quarter. And from that point on, it was – you thought we could get back into the game, but then we literally didn't do anything. You thought, man, I hope they don't get 40 on us in the first half. It was that bad. Yeah, Oklahoma State hadn't broken 30 the entire season in a game, and they broke 30 in the first half against K-State, taking that commanding 31-10 to lead at halftime. And for me, the real problems with this game, as much – doubt there is about this offense, about the play calling, about the quarterback play without Skylar Thompson, uh, just about the lack of an identity that hasn't really been cut out yet, lack of balance between passing and throwing, so many issues in the offense side of the ball. We accept that and we know about that. We knew that was going to be an issue, but the defense not tackling well, not flowing to the ball, not filling gaps, doing uncharacteristic things. You have to have something you can lean on. And so far this season, it's been defense and it better damn well get back to defense pretty quickly. Yeah, we. I mean, we're hanging our hat on our defense because of the struggles that we're having on the offensive side of the ball. And the defense didn't do their job they they literally didn't do their job i'll give them kudos for the second half and i'm sure we'll talk maybe a little bit about that later but that and that was great 
But, you know, to to get pushed around, basically, Tim, the way we got pushed around, that was disheartening. And I know I use that word a lot, but it really was. It was just it was disheartening to see them push us around like that on both sides of the ball because the offensive line got pushed around, too. So it, it, it was just it was bad. It, that first half was just bad, bad football. It really was. It's very unfortunate that. Kansas State got showed up in their in its first yeah. Big Twelve game of the year. It really did by a team. Honestly, Brian Hanley, I don't think is very good. I nope. think Oklahoma State's good enough to get by. They've they've done a good job of managing the games to win. And let's talk about that second half when K State's defense played better. They certainly seemed more aggressive, more locked in. But I also I have to admit, I mean, I think Mike Gundy and the offensive staff came into the second half like. Don't turn the ball over. Don't make yep. mistakes. Don't yep. give it to them where they can get some free points because they cannot score us. We, we've yep. got this game won as long as we don't screw it up. And I thought they got pretty conservative, a lot of third down runs, but they did what they needed to do. And also, I thought the K-State defense did what it needed to do to keep K-State in the game and give the offense the opportunity. Unfortunately, the offense was far from good enough to make anything out of that opportunity. Yeah, I, they got conservative. We got a little bit more locked in, which was good. They didn't give up. So they, they, if there's one thing that I can say, we did not give up. And they did. They didn't give up. They fought. They fought. I thought they played hard, just didn't play well. Yeah. And and that's, you know, and, and again, that's good that you're playing hard. I want us to play hard every snap. Play hard, but now we got to. We're getting into some stiffer competition. He also got to play well, and uh, we didn't do that. We we didn't compete. That's what I thought. It, it, that's maybe a better word versus continuously using disheartening. We didn't seem like we competed at all in the first half. Second half, we did. We competed, and I'm happy with that. I'm okay with that. But we got to be able to put four quarters together like that, especially playing this type of competition because it's going to get tougher. It really is. It, it's going to get much tougher over the next two games for Kansas State, at least this week, with Oklahoma coming to town, um, or as I like to call the Sooners, um, Kansas State's play toy, uh, because <laughs> Kansas State's won two in a row. And I know Oklahoma's very aware of that. They're probably very tired of that. They did not look good, the Sooners in winning at home against West Virginia. And uh, I think they have something to prove, but I think K-State does too. And then they get the off week, and then they have an Iowa State team coming to town that probably also has something to prove because they just lost at Baylor. And that dream season they thought they were going to have is turning out to be somewhat a nightmare. But you're right. No matter what happens, no matter who they're going to play in this conference, Kansas State, Chris Kleiman's team has to up its ability to play and perform its level of performance wasn't good enough for this conference. No, no, not, not at all. It just wasn't. Uh, you have to play with a sense of urgency. You have to play with your hair on fire and let's just face it. Look, it's the big 12. You got to play well. You got to play well. You can't have these kind of lapses and expect things to turn out when you're, and we all know, it was like this when I was at K-State. Oklahoma State is going to have a team full of athletes. That's just what they have. It seems like their recruiting process is to recruit athletes, and we'll figure out your position down the road. We'll just figure it out. We want a bunch of athletes. So you got to play well. You got to play physical to go match that, and we didn't do that. 
And we're going to have to because the Big 12, regardless of what people maybe around the country are saying, the Big 12 is a good football conference. It just is. And we're going to have to match the intensity of these teams if we're going to be able to compete. I think we will. I think we will. And again, the second half of Saturday was a good indication of that. Of uh, and, and Oklahoma State may have taken their, their foot off the pedal a little bit. But you know what? I think maybe we pushed down a little bit, too, and said, hey, let's not embarrass ourselves here. Let's go out here and play hard. So we have to continue with, the, continue with that and play hard and just continuously get better. we got to get better. Absolutely. That this team wasn't good enough to win this game. That won't beat Oklahoma. That won't beat Iowa State. That won't beat Baylor. That'll get them into trouble against West Virginia. I mean, there's some teams that that maybe that level of play will get by in this conference, but not many. And they have no. to improve. I want to talk to you about this. And I I did my daily delivery on Sunday about the targeting rule. I like the targeting oh, rule. In general, I th- I think the intent is good, but I think they've just gone crazy with it. Daniel yep. Green getting kicked out and suspended for the second half for that hit. Man, I don't know what football players are supposed to do anymore. Uh, he raised his helmet. He he hit him with his face mask off of his shoulder pad, glanced off of him, and the ball carrier, Spencer Sanders in this case, ducks his head down into the contact. And I think it's about time the NCAA said if the ball carrier ducks his head in the direction of helmet-to-helmet contact, it is not targeting. Because you can't call it targeting if the target's moving while you're in motion. I mean, at, at some point, Tim, and I know I give the NCAA way too much credit because they're a bunch of deadheads over there. But at some point, somebody's got to be able to say, we have to change this. And it doesn't mean or matter if you have to change it midseason, because this is absolutely ridiculous at this yeah. point. You can't watch a college football game without having five reviews of a targeting penalty and three of them getting overturned. And the two that aren't overturned are absolutely nonsense. It's just, I mean, I know what they're, the intent. I get it. But football is still football. There are going to be collisions that we are not going to like as fans watching it. There are going to be collisions that are going to be dangerous. But you know what? It's football. It's going to happen, especially trying to in split second decisions, because in my eye, those split second decisions are going to get a guy hurt thinking, okay, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. That, in my opinion, and having some or being somebody that played is going to end up getting somebody hurt. And I apologize for being passionate about it, but it is absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous on what is going on. This it, it's got and it's gotten worse as this rule has been put. Every year it's gotten worse. It's got to stop. It's just got to stop. It's got to stop. And you know we're seeing guys get penalized for launching at the knees of a quarterback when they've been blocked to the ground. What else are they supposed to do? Yes. And, and I get it. If if they genuinely launch for a knee and they go low to take out a knee, I get it. But if they've been knocked to the ground. It's football. It, and if it's receivers defenseless going across the middle, don't call that play. Exactly. I mean, it's if, football. It, if it's a, if it's an injury we're worried about, then the owner should be in the offensive coach not to put his player in a defenseless position. That's right. That's, That's exactly right. I think it was a great American philosopher, Clint Eastwood, that said, if, if you're defenseless, you better defend yourself. You know, I mean, what? 
yeah, sometimes on a football field you're defenseless. I get yep. it. Sometimes um, guys tee off, particularly on a crackback block where the guy's completely blind and and it's just an absolute cheap shot that isn't necessary to get the whole job done. You know what I mean? On those Correct. blocks, you just get in the way like a pick play in basketball and you've done your job not decapitating him. And I understand that they want to stop spearing. It is very dangerous for a tackler to go in head lowered, head first. That's what Daniel Green got flagged for against Stanford, and it was a good call. You right. can't do that. And I'm glad you youth coaches are trying to teach kids to tackle with their head up. But these kids have been yeah. drilled for their entire lifetime to do it one way, and now we just want to snap our fingers and make yep. it stop. We want to defy the laws of physics at times. Yep. And – we don't seem to give a crap about what the offensive player does. The offensive nope. player can lower their head, lead with their helmet, spear a de- defensive player trying to make a tackle, or in this case, they can lower their head and create helmet-to-helmet contact, and that is on the defender. I'm tired of it, Brian. It's ruining the game. And It's absolutely. And absolutely. I'm all for defending the players and trying to keep them healthy, but now we're just looking for reasons. I saw the Oklahoma State bench just crying for a call later in yeah. the game against Jerron McPherson. Just crying like you would at youth softball or, or you know, City yep. League basketball. It's just yep. the game should be above this. It's a physical game. People get hurt, and I'm sorry that happens. And we need to yep. lower head injuries. But that Daniel Green hit, that had nothing to do with lowering, reducing the chance of a head injury. That was just yep. to making a call. Yep. Tim, I have said this over and over on any time I'm talking football. Look, football is a game where ligaments tear and bones break. Yep. We don't like it when it happens, but that's just the facts of the matter. It's going to happen. We don't want it to happen, but it's going to happen. You cannot manufacture these things out of football. That will never, ever, ever happen. But I'm telling you, I'm I'm telling you, as somebody, I've followed this game since I can remember when my dad taking me to football games, high school football games when I was five years old. When you try to get people to make split-second decisions on not to do something, that is when catastrophe is going to happen. It's going to happen, and then what are they going to say? Because a kid's going to do something wrong when he's thinking he should be doing this, this, this. And something bad is going to happen, and it will be in the NCAA's lap to fix it because it's absolutely ridiculous. And again, like you mentioned earlier, there is not a defensive tackle that's going to go sack a quarterback that's on his feet and says, you know what? I'm going to dive at his knee. Yep. There has never been a defensive tackle or a defensive end in the history of time that that's what they're thinking. Hey, you know what? I got a clean shot at the quarterback. I'm just going to hit him in the knee. That's not what they do. I go, so when you see that, you have to think, oh, this guy probably got blocked or he got tripped or he fell on accident. Those things can't be penalties. You can't penalize a guy for tripping or being blocked into somebody. It's just let the game be a game. I I understand. Clean it up. And when things do happen that are wrong, penalize it. But don't go. It seems like the rest now are just looking to throw flags, you know, and ruin it. And it's really ruining. I mean, so many penalties. I mean, the games are taking forever, too. Yep. This is ridiculous. You know, I saw a roughing the passer call 
uh, this weekend. And it's a common call now where the defender comes in, has his hands in the air, big old lineman trying to bat the ball out of the air, doesn't. And as he lowers his hands, he makes contact with the, the helmet. Did, yeah. Does it necessarily hit the quarterback's helmet with intent to injure or even great force? But by God, if you touch a quarterback's helmet, it is a flag. If you think about touching a quarterback's helmet, it might be a five-yard penalty. Uh, it's just crazy. It's football. Yeah. Things happen. It's bad. It's bad. It's it's really bad. And it's just what you said. It's ruining the football game. You know, the quarterbacks, uh, last time I checked, were football players, too. Right. You have to allow them to be hit. You know, nobody, I mean, again, you're trying to bat a ball. You don't bat the ball and you graze the guy's face mask. 15-yard penalty for grazing a face mask yep. when you're just bringing your hand literally down or grazing the back of a helmet or something. I'm like, Oh my God, what is it? it it's at some point again, it, hopefully college athletic directors, cause the NCAA t- doesn't tend to listen to coaches, the athletic directors, presidents, somebody says enough is enough. You got to change this because it's, it's the, the penalty for this kind of stuff Kicking a kid out and then he has to miss the first half of the next game? What, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. Look, and there's some players that need to have regulation. There's some yeah. players that do something that is, I wish they had some more severe penalties. I've seen right. clearly a defender's attempting to injure an offensive player by spearing or hitting someone after the play or something that has real intent. I would like to, if if the conference post-game rules that actually as egregious as what it appeared to be, that they intentionally tried to hurt someone and they did, I'd like that player to have to sit out until the other player can play again. There you go. That'll you stop go. that. Yes, sir. You're not going to yes, miss a sir. half. You're going to miss how many ever games he misses. Yes, sir. And if you Absolutely. ended his career, you're not playing anymore here at this university. Absolutely. I believe in that wholeheartedly. I've been saying that for years, like when a, a pitcher hits somebody and they're thinking, well, we're going to hit another guy. I'm like, well, if this guy gets hurt, how about you just wait until this guy comes back right. and that guy can't play anymore and you take his money from him? I guarantee you they would stop. I guarantee it. Same thing would happen here, Tim. You can't. You couldn't have said it any better. If if there's intent to injure, if there's intent to be uh, reckless and maybe injure yourself by lowering your helmet, I get it. But if it's contact that happens within the normal play of game, that isn't having that intent to strike someone with the force to injure. Come on, man. It's football. Let them play. Let them play. I always, I've said this, and I've had these conversations with people, and I go, if you don't want people to hit each other with their head, then take the helmet off of them. Right. I go, right. if that's what you're really, really wanting, take the face mask off and take the helmet off. And I guarantee you guys won't leave with their helmet. Exactly. So simple as that. And, and in some ways, the more they do to protect the the players, better equipment, certainly with helmet technology, Correct. It almost emboldens them to continue this because yep. there's less seeming consequence for them. Now, if the helmet's protecting them against concussions, well, here we go. There you go. I get it, but man, it's gone too far. Well, too far. And as we go to break, let's hear from Coach Chris Kleiman. I ask him straight up, what was wrong with this defense in the first half after playing so well in the first three games? Here is what he answered. 
Oh, boy, that's a good question, Fitz. We didn't tackle, we didn't get off blocks. And credit, the, the running back's a good player. There's no question about that. Um, but we just, we were a step slow. We, we couldn't get our footing. We couldn't slow the game down enough, whatever you want to say. Uh, and we just couldn't get a stop. And it was frustrating because then you see what we do at halftime. We made some adjustments. We were making some adjustments in the, in the first half and, and weren't having any, having any success. And all of a sudden, we were able to uh, sit down as a staff, make some adjustments. And I thought we played pretty well the second half. They got a few plays on us, but they're going to. That's a good football team. Uh, but uh, really, really frustrating the way we played in the first half defensively. We'll be back with more of the PowerCat Post Game Review Podcast on the other side of this break. We're sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast continues after this short break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Post Game Review Podcast, sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. On with me is Brian Hanley, our football analyst, as we review Kansas State's 31 to 20 loss to Oklahoma State on Saturday down in Stillwater. Not a good performance by the Wildcats. For K-Staters, by K-Staters, jackets, hats, polos, t-shirts, golf accessories, Caddyshack Golf, where Caddy with two T's. Visit CaddyshackGolf.com and use code GPC for free shipping on your next order. Let's flip it over here and let's solve the problems of the Kansas State offense within the next five minutes. We're gonna- <laughs> Um, look, I, they're playing with young quarterbacks. I get that. I understand that. Uh, and I understand that apparently Will Howard got injured in the course of the game and I'm not sure what it was. Maybe it was on the fumble. He got bent around or something or took a hit on a run, but they went with Jaron Lewis, who I see a real upside for. I like some elements about his game. Just the fact on his touchdown pass to Deuce Vaughn on that little shuttle pass that ended up a 55 right. yard touchdown pass that that reminded me of an L. Roberson, Michael yep. Bishop type. You're not getting me down. I'm going to flip the ball out here. I loved it. Uh, I think there's some promise here. But, Brian, we're not seeing the kind of development from these young quarterbacks. I just don't feel like there's, they're where they should be. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. You, I mean, they raved about how much better Will Howard was. They, did. they raved about it. He's not better, Tim. He's not better. And I am not going to criticize him because he can only be what he can be. Coaches have to be able to get guys better. That's what you get paid for. You paid a lot of money to do that. And if you can't do that, 
it, 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 that's not helping this program. And we, we've got to be better. You've got to be able to have competent quarterback play. It shouldn't be your starter goes down and your season falls apart. Not at the Kansas State level. It shouldn't have to be this way. And I, I'm just being honest. It shouldn't have to be this way. Uh, now, I will say the offensive line didn't help. Um, I, I will say that, not being able to run it an inch. But at the same time, if they got 100 guys at the line of scrimmage because you can't throw it, it is what it is. So quarterbacks got to be better. They just they they have to be better. Just have to be. Look, I, I appreciate the coaches want to support their players. I get it. They want to talk them up. They want them to feel good. They want to have confidence. They don't want their coach out there criticizing them in public and, you know, just kind of running them down. Uh, these are college kids are fragile. I, I get all of that. But when I start to question coaches when we hear – not as much on the record, but off the record. Yeah, this guy's gotten a lot better. He really is. He's he's really put on a lot of mass. He's playing a lot better. And then when we don't see it translate the way the way we've been told and it's been described to us, I do stop and wonder, what the hell are you looking at at practice? Do you actually know what you're seeing and how it translates to a game? Because I'm not seeing any of that translate to the game. Will Howard, is he better? Yeah. Is he dramatically better? Hell no. I don't see it. I don't see it in any way, shape, or form right now. And, I I mean, Jaron Lewis, I think, is going to be a good guy to be a backup as the years go on. But I I don't think either one of these guys is the starter next year, is ready to be. I don't see it. And I know this. I know a lot of people want Jake Rubley on the field. He's been injured. He's hardly practiced. He is nowhere near being able to play this year, but that will probably set him back next year. Brian Hanley, without Skylar Thompson, I don't know what this offense does. And they better have him back for Oklahoma, which I suspect they will. Yeah, they, they're going to have to because if not, I mean, Oklahoma's not a great football team, and they're not. I'm not going to sit here and put them on a pedestal, but we won't be able to move the football. No. And the one thing that Oklahoma is doing, usually it's offense. They're playing defense. Yep. And we won't be able to move the football at all if we don't have somebody that can literally drop back and throw the ball to an open man or throw a guy open or get us in the right play. And again, young quarterbacks, I get that, but you know what coaches it's time. Hey, you got to step up. This is where your time to shine. This is what they pay you for. They don't pay you for the good guy to come in. That's already good for him to play good. They don't pay you for that. They pay you to get the guy that's not as good and to work him and build him up to be good, to be able to play good and get it on the field. Because I don't care what he's doing in practice. If he can't take the good stuff in practice and put it on the field, that's a coaching thing. That, uh, just That's a coaching thing. So, Or it's not happening in practice, and this is what we got. Either way, it's got to get better, because if it doesn't get better, we're going to have a big, big problem, especially this Saturday and for the coming Saturday. So it's just we, we have to be better, just have to be better. Uh, they moved Courtney Messingham to coach the receivers so that the offensive coordinator be better in touch with the receivers. Kansas State completed 14 of 31 passes. Okay, it was – or excuse me, 14 of uh, – yeah, 31 passes. It was a difficult day. There's no doubt about it. Jaron Lewis was 10 of 19. Will Howard was 4 of 12. Now, in his defense, there were some drops. Yes. Malik Knowles, you got to compete for a ball a little bit harder than that. Gee, man, Christmas. Get to use your body and block that guy from reaching in there to get it. Man, I mean, there was a couple passes early that Will maybe underthrew by a 
a little bit. Maybe made it a little harder for the receiver to fight off the defender. Maybe, but the receiver still got to go get that ball. You're the yes. one with the best chance to get it. Why is the Why is the D back getting a hand in there so easily? Correct. Frustrating. But for all the talk about getting the receivers involved, Deuce Vaughn five catches, total of uh, seventy three yards. I mean, they just keep and you got to get the ball to Deuce. He wasn't able to run it, but Malik Knowles was targeted seven times, caught three. Philip Brooks, yep. four and two. And then, you know, everyone else, that's 10 total catches, Aaron, and there was four guys with the one catch. This passing game stinks, and I don't I don't know what fixes it. I don't think it's all the quarterbacks. I don't think it's all the receivers. I think a lot of it's having to do with the scheme at this point. It doesn't work. Nope, it doesn't work. It, I'm, you know, I'm biting my tongue. I'm biting my tongue. We uh-huh. win games. We're winning games, but it it doesn't work. And I don't want to be the negative guy, but I'm going to be the honest guy. You got it. You got to have a better scheme. Uh, you got to have a better route tree. You got to have better everything. It, you beat more imagination. It's not enough imagination. Becoming way too predictable. It's just have some imagination. Do some different things. And and maybe it's the guys that we have. But you know what? If what you're doing doesn't work, at some point, you have to change. And we haven't done that for two years. Really, for three years, it's been the same. We got by the first year, and we played well. We haven't played well. I take that back. We played well early in the season. I'm not trying to say the season's over or anything like that. I want to be that guy. But at the same time, we're stepped up in competition, and we look terrible. So we've got to change things. At some point, you've got to change things. Look, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't. We don't have to settle for, for what we're settling for. Coaching staff has to understand, look, I know, maybe it's a disadvantage. Maybe we don't have guys capable of doing those things. Well, you know what? Like I mentioned earlier, they pay you a lot of money to figure it out. So figure it out. You know, do something different. Get creative. Whatever you've got to do to be productive because it's not. The passing game is going to be the, the death of this offense because we know we can run it, but we can't run it when they say we're refusing to let you run. You know, nobody can do that. Nobody runs the ball when teams say, you know what, you're not running it. At some point, we got to be able to throw it, and we just can't do it on a consistent basis, and it's frustrating. It's awful. We asked Chris Kleiman after the game about it, and this answer applies to both offense and defense. Some of the struggles I had, here's what he had to say. Yeah, we've got to be better. We rushed the football last week exceptionally well, and then it sets up everything else. And so um, when we're not able to rush the football, we've got to design some things, whether it's spreading people out to whatever, to to get some easier throws and get people open. And so absolutely, we've got to be better. And and that's the first thing I told the guys. We as coaches got to be better. We've got to be better uh, as coaches designing some things to get the guys some, some easier throws. Brian, look, if you hire your best friend to be your offensive coordinator, you're immediately putting yourself in a bad position. And that's what's happened here. And I love Courtney Mescam. He is a good man. But this ain't working. And and I'm afraid Chris Kleiman's beginning to see that this offense isn't working in the current Big 12. And I don't know where it leads us. I don't, but they got to fix it. They got to fix it. Whether it's Courtney has to learn some new tricks like the defense did 
The defense updated what it was doing to fit the Big 12. Maybe the offense needs to take some time and do that, or maybe they need to go in a different direction. But they got to find some stuff that works. And really what works right now is you've got a kid named Deuce Vaughn that is dynamic and makes things happen, and he's saving your ass. Imagine, imagine this offense without Deuce Vaughn. Yes, terrible. Absolutely. I mean, we'd we'd be doing nothing. It would just be pitiful. And he's saving them, and I feel like that's taking advantage of the other kids. Because here's what I would say, Tim, is the kids are doing what you're asking them to do, and it's not being as productive. And I'm talking about the passing game. That starts to deflate everybody else because linemen – they're sensitive people too. You're blocking, you're blocking. Oh, we can't complete a pass. We're blocking, we're blocking. Oh, we can't complete a pass. And that becomes deflating for everybody. And then it starts, well, we're running the same stuff. Why aren't we doing this? Why? I mean, questions start to to seep in. So you've, you've got to change. And I know I've said this three times on this, and, and I'm going to say it again. The coaches get paid a lot of money. They get a lot of money to be productive. You don't get paid a lot of money to just throw something out there and see if it works. You get paid a lot of money to be productive. And what they're doing in the passing game is not productive. It's time for a change. It's just time for a change, period. There is no ifs, ands, or buts when it comes to this. We all know it. We all know it as fans. They're not working. We all want to be positive, and we all want – and there's some people out there that don't want to be positive about it. It's just, look, hey, let's take a step back. Let's do something different because if you're not going to do something different, it's just what you said. You got to go in a different direction and hiring your best friend. You're already emotional. So because it was an emotional hire, regardless of whether you say it or not, at some point you got to step in and say, hey, we got to do something different. And it's time. It's just time. Yeah, it, it whatever they're doing, they need to try something else. And uh, it's just very painful to watch. One of the things I'd like them to try is something they brought to Manhattan with them, and it's this diamond formation that they showed at North Dakota State. They've run it on the first play of the last two games. They ran it a few more times against Nevada two weeks ago or a week ago. They ran it on the first play at Oklahoma State, and that was it. Yep. What? Why the blank do you have it in your offense if you're not going to use it if if you have a formation that's based on uh the ability to do a lot of things out of the same formation and deceive the defenders on where the ball is going that seems like the week you have quarterback issues might be the week where you run the crap out of that yeah yes or get rid of it if it if it really doesn't do those kind of things, if it can't deceive defenders, if it really can't mix up the defense and really can't on a regular basis get you yardage, get it out of your damn playbook and quit practicing it and practice some other stuff. Either use it or lose it because you're either wasting your time or you're wasting the scheme, one of the two. Yeah, I, I mean – and I'm not trying to compare Coach Snyder to anybody, but I have experience with what Coach Snyder. In two days, we would run every single play that he had in that 10-inch thick playbook, and we would run it. And if it didn't work, he we would run it again. If it didn't work again, it was finished. We didn't. Run. There was a play that we ran Tim the first day of two days in 1997. Ran it twice. Never came up again in the two years that I was there. Not <laughs> once. And it was just like, look, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And that sign of, hey, this is what I got. This is what we're calling. If it doesn't work, 
we'll try, we'll do something else. But if it does work, that was another thing, Coach Snyder. If it worked, we would run the same play. And I remember in 1997 against Texas A&M, and I happened to be the beneficiary, we ran the same play where I pulled four times in a row until we scored a touchdown. Same formation and just kept running it. We just ran it right down their throat. And that's something sometimes you just have to do that. Hey, run it until you stop us. Well, I'm going to make you stop us. So if we've got this formation, if it's working or if it doesn't work, don't run it. But if it does, let's keep going. Let's do other because there's so many different things that you can do out of that formation. So many things that you can do. But to only run it one time in a football game, what is the whole point? It's just what you said. I mean, again, it comes back to scheme. What are we doing? What's our identity? What, 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 are, we, what are we gonna do here? And we just we gotta figure this thing out. I don't wanna be too negative. I just don't. I don't wanna be that person, but I'm gonna be honest and we we've got to be better. Coach has got to be better. That's yep. it. Coaching's yep. gotta be better. And Chris Kleiman would agree with that statement. Um <laughs> Oklahoma comes to town. This is a really winnable game. And that's maybe that's why I'm so disappointed and disheartened about how they played and how disinvested they looked in Stillwater. I haven't seen that from this team. I didn't expect to see that from this team. If they get back and lock in and invest themselves in Oklahoma, Brian, they're going to win this game. Oklahoma is not good. Nope. Not at all. Oklahoma's offensive line is atrocious atrocious not bad not really bad they're atrocious this is a game that we can absolutely win the quarterback is overrated he can't hit receivers i mean it's it's a game that if we just lock in we will win it and it won't be like oh well we had to trick them and it was a big surprise no it won't it'll be just we just beat them and, and we just got to lock back in we got to lock back in just throw this game look at what we did wrong Take a real good look, though, at the second half on how guys competed and drill that into them and say, this is how we play for four quarters, guys. This is what we need to do for four quarters. Every snap, play your guts out, and we good things will happen. And we, we just have to get back to that. I agree. I agree. It, this team still has plenty at stake here. This was one loss. As I said, Correct. after Southern Illinois, you didn't play well. You got a win. It's got the W next to it. Well, you didn't play well. Now you got an L next to you. But it's right. just one L. I had you four and two coming out of these first six. So to accomplish that, you just got to beat Oklahoma and Iowa State, both winnable games this year. And then your season's on exactly the track I thought it was. And if you can yep. win both of these games at home over the next three weeks – you're in great shape. Now, Grant, yes, you are. Baylor's maybe better than what I expected. So maybe there's a little more pushback on the back end of the schedule than what we first thought. But Kansas has fallen apart already. Tech looked awful against Texas. These are really winnable games. TCU is just, I don't understand why everyone is so optimistic about TCU every year. And this is the crap I see every year. Hey, they're going to get fourth in the conference. They can't beat SMU. Nope. Terrible. <laughs> it's just it's laughable i don't even see how i mean it's just what you say every year it's like you know and, and gary patterson he's a good coach and he's a fine man but is he really that good has he really been that good of a, a great of a coach in the big 12 i mean what have they really done outside of one year yep. and it's like he gets credit for that every year i'm like guys have you taken a look they're not that good 
So, and they worked this. I mean, they couldn't stop. They haven't been able to stop anybody for three years in this conference. So we're set up. If we just lock in, we're set up to have a really good season. Don't let this week beat you next week. That's the main thing. Don't let this week beat you next week. And if we can do that, we'll be okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. His name's Brian Hanley. He is our football analyst at GoParacat.com. And I appreciate it very much, Brian. And as we wrap up this week's postgame podcast following Kansas State's 31-20 to loss at Oklahoma State on Saturday night, let's hear from the man, Deuce Vaughn. And he tried to keep a proud face after the game, even though it didn't go well. And then next week we'll be back with a pregame podcast podcast on Thursday for you as the Cats prepare to play the Sooners. Can they beat them for a third time in a row? We appreciate you listening. We appreciate Caddyshack Golf for being our sponsor. I'm Fitz, and he was Brian, and here is Deuce Vaughn. We went into the locker room. We had a very long talk with Coach Kleiman, and we're looking. We're looking forward now. We're gonna figure out what we what went wrong with execution today, and we're gonna have a great week of practice and get ready for OU. Do you feel like this will shake the confidence of the offense? Not at all. In particular, not at all. Uh, we know that we're a really, really efficient offensive uh, football team, and getting back to the drawing board and getting back to the practice field on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and getting that 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 confidence back going into this next week is going to be very big, and I feel like we're going to be able to do that. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat.com.